Hi, this is Shelby. And Carolyn. We are two Canadian prairie ladies, raising babies, riding horses, and living the country life. We are on a journey to find health and wealth while building our ranches, and we want to share the journey with you. In this podcast, you can expect to hear us share our own experiences, as well as interview other inspiring humans. We'll cover topics such as human health, horse health, barrel racing, building a ranch, and so much more. We are ready to dig into the tough conversations like mental health, motherhood, farming challenges, finances, you name it. You will walk away from this podcast with tips, tricks, and strategies that will have you finding more joy and peace in your journey. We know there's a lot of juggling that goes into this lifestyle because we are living it. And as a nurse myself and Carolyn with a master's in animal science, we have a lot to bring to the conversation. So grab your coffee to go, throw on your messy bun and muck boots. Let's head to the barn and chat because we have business to take care of and we're sure you do too. Welcome to the Ride Like a Mother podcast. So welcome to the Ride Like a Mother podcast. You have your hosts, Shelby and Carolyn here. And today we have returning guest, Michelle Davey with us. So Michelle is a mindset coach who incorporates her intuitive energy healing abilities to help people overcome the subconscious limiting beliefs and blocks that are keeping them from achieving their goals. She is also a mom to two kids and also loves to barrel race. Michelle has qualified for the CCA finals multiple times, has won the MRCA finals, and has cashed in on some CBHI super stakes money. She's also the host of the Unbridled Living podcast, where she encourages others to chase their dreams and learn to leave the things that hold them back behind. So Michelle is also one of our first interviews on the ride like a mother, and we are so excited to have her back to talk all about mindset at the gate and controlling our nerves. So thanks for joining us here, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. (laughs) Yeah, we're pumped to have you on again. (laughs) Yes. So first things first, Michelle, can you tell us a bit about you and how you got into mindset coaching and what makes you so passionate about it? The reason I got back or got into mindset coaching is a bit of a, a bit of a turkey trail I followed, I guess. <laughs> um, I struggled with, I still struggle with my own mindset. I'm not an expert in it. I practice the things that I teach. I use it all the time, but I was at a starting point where I used to be nauseous and throw up before I would show. I would not be able to remember what happened in a run, basically blackout during a run. All of these things are very common with people um, in competition, whether it's barrel racing or whatever people do. Um, I had started doing energy healing with horses. And what I was finding is that the horses were telling me often that it was the people that were <laughs> more of the problem yeah the horses like you know their behavior was the result of the rider potentially not being able to keep the ducks in a row under pressure under the pressure of competition not because there was something necessarily wrong with the horse um but basically the rider changed how they rode when they were competing And I drew on my journey of overcoming nervousness. Um, It's not just nervousness. It is being able to deal with being knocked down and be able to get back up again and being able to persevere. I think there's a difference between um, managing your nerves and then also mental toughness. I would think those are, uh, those are two different things for me now. They weren't always, but now I see them as two different things. So I, through my own experience and a lot of um, reading, research, personal coaching for myself, uh, I was able to put together tools I could help others use. And then combining that with my intuition that I was developing along the way, I'm able to see easily what block what might be blocking someone like the stories and beliefs that they hold in their subconscious that are keeping them from 
being able to basically achieve all that they desire, the invisible things that hold that hold people back. So I'm not formally trained in um, psychology, neuroscience, mindset work, that type of thing. A lot of what I do is based on my own personal experience and intuitive guidance, along with my in-depth studies of neuroscience, brain science, and mindset work. Um, did I answer that question completely? Yes. Uh, and, yes, and, and more? I'm like, I feel like I got yeah. onto a little bit of a trail there. So when I say it was a jerky trail to get there, I, I really follow, um, follow my gut, follow my heart and soul of like, what is next and what is mm-hmm. the next thing and how can I help people? How can I be of service? Um, so that's how it got me there and here. That's very cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. I'm a little bit curious. You just recently changed your podcast and kind of rebranded. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? I'm I'm interested. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my podcast was The Rider's Mind, and I changed it to Unbridled Living. And really, not a lot has changed in what I deliver. But the change from just being about The Rider's Mind came because I was seeing that there is no separation between what happens in our lives on the weekends at a barrel racing jackpot or a rodeo or what have you, than the rest of the week. So it's mm-hmm. more about a mindset that we live with all the time, not just one that we show up on the weekends with. Because um, you know what is hitting us when we are at the gate, as we might say, those nerves that come up, they didn't start at that minute. It, it started you know, when we entered, hooked up the trailer, drove there, couldn't find a place to park, went to pay our entries, started saddling up, um, how we deal with our kids, how we deal with our spouses, our partners, like it's, it's all connected and they're all opportunities to learn to regulate our nervous system so that we're not so dialed up when we actually get to the gate. So back to the change in the podcast, Rider's Mind to Unbridled Living. Um, I open basically the scope that I'm not solely about riders. This work helps everyone that I do. It's not just about riders, uh, but it can help. It will help, obviously, riders as well. But I wanted to just really um, make the point that it is um, a life's practice to... um, grow and increase our ability to regulate our own nervous systems. It's all part of like just being happy, (laughs) dealing with everyday stresses. It's not just happening to you at the arena. However, it is the horses and our desire for competition and our love for improving in that area that pushes us to do something about it. But it's not just there. That's just where we're seeing it. And that's where we care the most to do something about it. Yeah. So, okay, this leads super well into our next subject, which is all about, uh, specifically about nerves. So can you give us a little bit of background on why we as competitors actually get nervous and where that comes from? Yeah, for sure. The, I think so many people chastise themselves for being nervous, like, oh my goodness, why am I so nervous? This is horrible. I'm a wreck. And all of these I am's about myself, like, I, even I'm so stupid. Why would I do this? I have nothing to be nervous about. Meanwhile, we're wired to be nervous. We have a nervous system that's built in. There's different aspects of the nervous system. Our autonomic nervous system has two branches, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. And they're like dials. One parasympathetic is for rest and digest relaxation, you know, like relaxing, watching Netflix And then there's a sympathetic nervous system. I remember it's the one for stress because of the S. That's the dial that gets turned up and we get activated and we're like edgy and we're we're super nervous. And if these dials get turned too far, we can actually shut down. So there's fight and flight, but there's also freeze or fawn or freak out. No, that's like, that's, (laughs) that's, (laughs) that's, that's when you get like over. 
overactivated, right? That overstimulation. But if the dial gets turned too far, we just shut off. And so that, I believe, is what happens when we can't remember what happened in the run or we're just freeze, freeze up. Like we don't necessarily freeze up, but we're just, you know, when you see people and they're like just stiff and nothing's happening out there, the horse is just doing their thing. We're, we're wired with this primal part of our mind that is there to protect us. It's, it's there to be aware of any type of danger. And our, our minds are always trying to predict an outcome. So the more it doesn't, the more it doesn't know what's going to happen, the more freaked out our nervous system gets. It loves things being the same. It loves consistency. It loves kind of knowing what's going to happen. So if you're making your first run of the year, you're going to be more nervous than if you've laid down five beautiful, consistent runs. You probably experience that. Like after you kind of get in your groove, you're not as nervous anymore. The reason it's not because you did like all kinds of work and you're better now. It's because your brain, your nervous system is like, oh, I know what's going to happen now because statistically it went really well the last five times. If it went really bad the last five times or it was inconsistent or all kinds of things are happening, you're going to be more nervous because the wiring in your brain, which actually isn't, um, it's not that smart. It's finely tuned like that it can sense things but it's not the thinking part of your brain. This is all happening behind the scenes subconsciously. It's just trying to keep you alive and safe. And statistically, this doesn't look very good. <laughs> so, to it, statistically, um, it, this, there's a reason to be fearful. And it's not necessarily your fears that you're gonna be injured, like that you're doing something dangerous on a horse, mm -hmm. but perhaps it is fearful of, your own words after you go and you don't go do good and how you feel after you run yourself down because that was horrible. You're an embarrassment. And that's, you know, like all the negative things, the itty bitty shitty committee in her head or the inner terrible someone's I think Cheryl Strait says that one, but that inner terrible someone has all the bad things. Well, maybe your nervous system is like, well, last time that didn't feel very good to me. So I'm basically going to put up a guard and, um, be prepared for bad things to happen. Or maybe you're, you are worried about how you're going to look. You don't want to look stupid. You want to prove to your parents or your partner about that. This is all worthwhile. All the time money you spent is all worthwhile. So you have a fear of failing. So your nervous system feels that um, these are like the limiting beliefs and subconscious stories that we would work and heal at a deeper level. Um, we all want to belong and we want to fit in. That's part of our innate wiring also. So um, one way we see others get attention, belong and fit in is by winning. So we desire that and we want that. So then whenever, and this is all happening subconsciously, you might know in your mind that it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I'm okay, even if I don't win, but subconsciously, we have these programs and desires that run under, under the radar that are happening that could be driving our, our fears, basically, of what we're afraid of. But the biggest thing is that our brain just wants to predict an outcome. And if it doesn't know what's going to happen, like we're dealing with horses, so we really don't know what's going to happen. If yeah. it doesn't have a high statistic um, point of reference of what is going to happen, that's uh, it's like alert alert danger danger we should be fearful now the beauty of the fact that we have a subconscious mind and a conscious mind the conscious mind is your thinker part is that you can you can override that and basically just say the nerves are coming up ah i see you don't i mean just to yourself you don't have to say this out loud but to yourself instead of saying oh i don't know why i'm nervous i feel so stupid i'm nervous i have nothing to be nervous about you just say, oh, I see why these nerves are coming up right now because we really don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'm willing to take the chance. And basically you're just, you're seeing yourself for its activation. And then you can then take some steps to regulate your nervous system. Um, but you, you're not going to get rid of your nervous system. And I don't know that you can 
control it, you know, like we like to use that word, control your nerves. Um, Carolyn, you might've you might have said that. And we can't, I like to use manage them because they do in a sense have a mind of their own because we are sensory beings. And you might notice like certain arenas, you feel more nervous at even though nothing has changed because your, your nervous system is picking up different energy in different places. And it feels that, and when it feels different, if it doesn't feel comfortable, because our nervous system likes, it associates comfort with safety. Like if we're comfortable, that's safe. That's why it's hard to change, right? Because it is triggering to our nervous system. Then um, if we're somewhere where it's different, or even, you know, we go somewhere and we're running out of a different gate, or we are, are coming in at the different end of the arena, that can be triggering to our nervous system because it's a change. And we like the things being the same. That's why it's like comforting to go and run at the same arena all the time, because you can build that that consistency and build up the stats basically for your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Like that, this is a good, safe, comfortable place to be. Absolutely. I also think like us as barrel racers, like it's very common, at least from what I've noticed is we pick apart the things that make us uncomfortable, right? So if it it was an amazing run, but you know, this one thing could have been better, we tend to dwell on it. I don't know. Yeah. 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 That's part actually of our wiring also is that our, we're wired with a negativity bias. We're wired to look for the negative things first and it's a safety mechanism. It's just our nervous system because we're looking out for things that could be of danger. Basically, if you think of the the primal wiring that it has that doesn't serve us now but it's still there but so that's another thing people you would say well I know that that was actually not that bad but I am stuck on how he stepped off a second barrel or how he felt bracy or whatever instead of how you had an amazing first barrel an amazing third barrel we have to have a practice of overriding this and I do this is something I teach is like the two good things First thing after your ride or your run, and I say both ride and run because we're riding more than we're running, right? So we have more of an opportunity to uh, build this habit that we look for two good things first, and then we look at what we might work on. And even like that change in language instead Mm -hmm. of, and then we look for what went wrong. No, we look at what we're going to do different, or we look at how we want to do something different. how we might make an adjustment or what we can change is, is a, a lot more positive language than, okay, what went bad? Let's pick it apart. Or like, show me that video. I want to see all of the bad things. We don't need any help with that. Like we pick them up easy enough on our own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but I like that the two things, and then we'll see what's manageable to change. I like that. Yeah. So for advanced sake because I know like the run is the run on the weekend but like you said we have all week at home that's where we're dealing with all of our own stressors so in advance what are things that we can do to help our nervous system and anxiety before that pressure just hits us and how do we handle it or what's a good yeah. way of handling it <laughs> yeah absolutely so there's there's two different ways that I look at mindset work one is kind of like First aid, we're at the event, things are happening, and we need tools right now to help us calm down, get back in our body, not be so nervous. And then there's the practice, the work, which I would say comes, you know, the Monday to Friday or when you're not at the jackpots. Mm -hmm. The more you can practice the first aid tools, the more the easier it's going to be to actually use them when you're under pressure because part of it, or to be aware of when your nervous system is ramping up and getting activated. If you're thinking of it as a dial, like I said earlier, it doesn't earlier, it doesn't just start at the gate. The dial is slowly getting turned up and and we get kind of like to the pressure spot and then it gets cranked. So back between one of my, one of my um, first aid steps, is to get to ground yourself and to get back in your body. And this is something we can practice all of the time. And, you know, quite literally, you can take your shoes off and walk in the dirt and that's grounding, but like, we can't always do that, right? But we can do it, (laughs) we can, it's not always practical unless you're like two years old and are barefoot and 
are doing that all the time, right? Most of yeah. us wear shoes and don't like snow in winter, but we can use our minds to, to get ourselves back into our body and actually even imagine growing roots out of your feet into the earth. Some people, it actually works to grow the roots back up into you, but the most common way to teach it is going down into the earth from your tailbone to breathe into your body. But I found even um, getting off of your horse, if you're not able to do it in the saddle, to get off and put your feet in the dirt, even if you're wearing your boots, can be grounding just as a reset and get back in or then get back in the saddle. But during the week, there's going to be opportunities that trigger you all the time. Like when you find yourself getting agitated at your at your kid or your spouse or your horse or your coworker or whatever, <laughs> these are all opportunities to bring yourself back in to your body, to connect with your breath. This would be my second first aid step that I would practice away from it being an emergency. We can re- lower our heart rate just through our breath. So our, our breath out, our exhale is what stimulates um, our parasympathetic nervous system. So it will help us relax. If you want to bring your energy up, you could take short, quick breaths and that's going to get you elevated or you could extend the length of your exhale and that will reduce your heart rate. So practicing using these tools, anytime you're feeling a little bit triggered, it might not even be because you're nervous, but you might be feeling stress and it's, it's the same thing in your nervous system. It's just feelings. Your nervous system isn't, um, and it can actually even like the language again of like nervous, we could say I'm excited. Well, we get a little bit too excited that we forget what we're doing. Right. And it's the same thing. You get over the top. It's the dial gets turned a little bit too far, but we can call it whatever it is. The, the vibe is getting a little too jacked up and stimulated, right? Like it's yeah. over <laughs> the, the dial is cranked a little far. Like everything is just too, too much. Mm-hmm. So, but the, the breath can help with that. Um, Anchoring back into your body through grounding and through breath helps you remember the present moment because anytime we are anxious or nervous, we've gotten ahead of ourselves. We're worried or fearful of something that hasn't happened yet. So you can think of, I'm sure you'll bump up against all kinds of opportunities throughout the week where you're getting ahead of yourself. You're worrying, you're thinking about something um, that there probably has a 1% chance of happening. Those are all opportunities to get back into your body, to connect back with your breath. Um, yeah, I would say those are the, the primary. We're breathing all of the time subconsciously, but when we come to it from our conscious mind where we actually do it intentionally, that's when we can make the changes. So I mentioned, um, breathing slowly out your mouth but if you actually count your breaths there's something called box breathing so you would inhale for four seconds hold for four seconds so it's a box because there's four sides you're gonna inhale for four hold for four exhale for four hold for four inhale for four it goes around now that four seconds is not very long but if you've never done this before, it might feel long. I would try and go longer, like even um, like eight or 10 seconds might be a goal. But you'll find that um, it's hard to hold your breath for that long if you haven't practiced it. Or the other thing is a lot of people are breathing from the chest up. They're not actually breathing into their belly. And so when I say breath or breath work, these are long, deep breaths where you breathe right into your belly. And then these exhales are emptying everything that you have. So when you get to that eight seconds of an exhale, like you are pushing it out, trying to get everything that you can. And then you're really hoping eight seconds comes fast before you inhale again. (laughs) But this distracts you from everything, right? Because it's bringing your attention to your body and to your breath. Yeah, it's a, it's a great practice. Even just counting your breaths, like bringing your attention, like, okay, I'm going to breathe 10 times. You're going to be calmed down probably by the time you get to six. 
Like rarely have I ever got to 10 and my problems are settled. <laughs> You've got me, I'm like breathing along with you now. Yeah. Through this whole thing. Yes. <laughs> me too, Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this is interesting because um, this, you'll be able, this is where you can practice this with our, with your kids. And I do this. Um, we co-regulate with each other. So you probably started doing that. Well, you were maybe falling around, falling along, but this is where you can practice your breath work is when your child is struggling with something to breathe yourself, ground yourself and just breathe and hold space and the, the energy you'd like them to have, hold it for them instead of trying to you don't even have to get up in your face and say, just take a deep or in their face and say, take a deep breath. No, just stand back. And I make it audible. And like my son, Grady's 12. So he's on to me now, but he'll <laughs> look at me and he's like, kind of like, I see what you're doing there, it, but it works. And our horses will co-regulate, our horses will co-regulate off of us as well. So that's why they get amped up. We're getting amped up. But once we have um, this, this breath practice, we can, regulate regulate them as well Mm -hmm. and so another place I like to practice this is just sitting with my horse like I'll just go in the middle of the arena and sit on a barrel and practice my breath especially with a horse that is not good with standing and like not even a minute and I bet they're they shift and they soften and they're co-regulating their breath with me But if you've never practiced this and then you're just nervous and you're at the gate and you try and do your breath, you're like, that's why you, that's why you, what was it? Four, seven? What do I do? Like, that's why it has to be part of the uh, practice beforehand. You know, like we practice the pattern. We'll practice your pre-performance routine as well of being able to regulate your breath. Yeah, you wouldn't think that like breathing for 30 seconds would be hard to do. Like you think 30 seconds, oh yeah, totally. I can chill for 30 seconds. Huh, it's so hard for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's such a short period of time when you think about it. And yet it feels like a long time when you're doing it. But I, I can see why it works. And it yeah. does. Work. Yeah, <laughs> and you can see the importance of it. So if we can't keep ourselves together just breathing for 30 seconds, how do we expect ourselves to hold it together in a barrel run for 17 or 18 seconds, right? Yeah, <laughs> at, a, exactly. at a fast speed. Yeah. yeah, so the the one thing, like the, the, not the one thing, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things, but you made me think about how um, part of even meditation is another practice that we can do to manage our thoughts. Even taking a conscious breath is meditation, okay? The the biggest impact you can make with your meditation, I think, is to not run away with your thoughts, but to think of it as um, like just coming back to the breath. Oh, there I go again, come back to it. There I go again, come back to it. Instead of, there I go again, I can't do this, I'm horrible, I suck at this. You know, like don't run away with it. Just come back to the breath. A lot of people will try and meditate and they, they can't keep their mind quiet. That's not, that's not the point. The point is to, to come back. It would, you leave to come back. You're going to leave. It's like, that's inevitable. You, you, nobody can stay. Like, I mean, I guess you could, if you were at a silent retreat and meditated for months and that was like all you did, but we're not going to be able to do that. But so it's the, the recovery. That's the word I wanted to have. How you recover is the key. And it's to not get taken away with those thoughts, but to recover and come back. Gotcha. Yeah. So we had some barrel racers ask specifically about at the gate, because, you know, that's like a, a, a sticky point for a lot of barrel racers. Do you have any tips for specifically at the gate before you run? Yeah, for sure. So I have what I call my five first aid steps. And, and we have talked about two of them already which is grounding, getting yourself back in your body. You might even add um, like little things. Um, I find like having a a ritual or routine of how I like when I put my 
elastics on if you're doing that or when I tighten my hat down or like just different things that brings comfort because our, our brain finds comfort in the known, right? Instead of mm-hmm. the unknown. So getting back in your body, the elastics, it made me think of like some people, you might even uh, say, put an elastic on your wrist and snap it. And that brings your attention back to your own body when you have that pain, right? Um, but even uh, touching, like touching your, your shoulders, your legs, reminding yourself that you have a body, <laughs> raining the energy back in because we're trying to leave. Basically what's happening is energetically we're escaping because it feels uncomfortable in our body. So we leave. But then that is what, that's what makes the shit show. (laughs) That's why everything (laughs) falls apart is because we're not in our body and we're not present and we're not the same rider we are at home because at home we're in our body. So we've left. So we need to remind ourselves, get back in, get back in your body, connecting with your breath again. I'm here in my body. I have a body doing the box breathing, bringing yourself back in. I like to add affirmations like I am a winner. Even I've got this, I can do this something. And I would recommend that, you know, ahead of time, what this affirmation is that you're going to use that brings you back. It can bring you into, um, create kind of an anchor of how you want to feel. Like if I say I am a winner that has a certain energy about it. Now, of course I need to, um, resonate with that energy. Like when I've done, um, my writing from within clinics, I'll have, or even one-on-one coaching, if you would repeat back to me, I'm a winner. Sometimes it'll come out like, I am a winner. Well, that's not very convincing and that's not really a good energy to be anchored into. But if you truly feel that and you can step into that and we've like done the work and cleared all the reasons why you might think you're not a winner, then at the end of working with me, you would say like, I'm a winner. Like, and you just feel it and it's, you have that conviction with it. So you want an affirmation that you believe. It's just, mm-hmm. I can do it. I've got this. Um, it might even be, this is fun. The, the last time I ran at the CCA finals, I was um, pregnant with Grady. So it's been a minute, but uh, I started the week with, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. And I was like, uh, this is great, right? Well, I think I was almost like four months pregnant. And uh, by the end of it, I just wanted to go home. Like I was so tired. It was, I was done faking it. I hadn't told anybody that I was pregnant just trying to keep it together. And then it's kind of like, you know, the day after it was over, I, I, I was just all of a sudden pregnant because I stopped hiding it. Anyways, my affirmation <laughs> changed. It changed to this is fun. This is fun. This is fun. Cause I had to basically with my own pep talk, it went from, I'm a winner to just, this is fun. Like I am doing this for fun, go and do it for fun. So just know ahead of time what you might pull for an affirmation and then, you know, I think I kind of combined step five and six there for my own with this is fun because remembering why you're doing this. For most of us, it's because we like to do it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. So remembering why you're doing this helps you um, step away from the, the pressure and all of the outcomes and expectations that we might have attached to what's about to happen. And then the fifth thing, I would say this is kind of... Um, I have it wrote down as narrow your focus. So these do not need to be a step-by-step thing that you have written out a cue on a cue card and you do all, all the steps all correctly. You can pull all of this off in a matter of seconds, really, if you've practiced it ahead of time, right? Because it's known to you. So narrowing your focus is basically reining yourself back in when you have these leaks where you, you know, you're back there and all of a sudden you look up and you see your two friends sitting off to the side and, oh, there's an energy leak that goes off of there. And then you see somebody that said something rude to you over off the other side. Oh, energy goes over there. This is where you need to have your blinders on. When I say narrow your focus, when you are taking those first steps down towards the gate, all you should see is the line in front of you (laughs) and the point that you're running to. Mm -hmm. And we have sometimes, if we tend to put out these tendrils or like energy leaks to intentionally cut them off and recognize that we're doing that and get back and getting back in your body will help do that because you're, when you're outside of your body, that's part of like 
um, energetically, you have all of these leaks and you're out there here and everywhere. So grounding and getting your energy back in your body um, will help also narrow your focus. So we have grounding, connecting with your breath, which is going to reduce your heart rate, repeating an affirmation, remembering why you do this, and then narrowing your focus. And you don't have to do all of these. You do what works for you and takes you to the point that is going to be helpful. Now, <laughs> ch chances are um, we are to a certain point already when we get to the gate in that dial in our sympathetic nervous system, we're going to be dialed up a little bit already. But I, I have experience where I have been super chill, calm, confident, and they call my name. And the horse's head comes up and it's like, <sighs> I remember a specific time with Jed actually, where I was worried that I didn't know if he was going to run or fire because he was awfully chill for him. Like normally he had a little pep in his step. And I thought to myself, oh, when they call, I think it was, I don't know why I remember this, but I think it was Terry Kay. When they say Terry Kay's name, if he's not like pepped up, well, that's when I'm going to put my, like pull my hat down and do my elastics. And if he's not pepped up, I'm going to have to like, do a little spanky spank on the bum here and get a little jiggy jog going happening or we're not going to get past the barrels. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as they said her name, he was like, head up, like fire dragon instantly. So, you know, it wasn't because he heard them say that it was because my energy changed. And so they are in tune to that. But sometimes when we get on, we're already dialed up. And that's when we can even start doing that breath work and grounding as part of our warm up. So that we you've practiced that so that we don't get hit so hard with it when we get to that point when they call our name. But I think that, at least for me anyway, having some knowledge about why that happens helped me not get taken away with that feeling that hits me, right? So that you don't panic and think you're over, so you're not overwhelmed with it. You know why it happened. It's normal it's go time and you are going to stay in your body connected, trust yourself. Here's, this is actually one of my favorite affirmations. Um, I trust my horse, my horse, trusts me. We work together in harmony. So <laughs> it might even be just, I trust, I trust my horse. That might be your affirmation, you know? So it, it can be whatever, whatever works for you. There's no right or wrong. And even, you know, with these steps, like I said, it's, they don't need to be in, they don't need to be in order. You could not do one you you might try with a couple and then add one but those are um just just some ideas but really staying in your body and remembering in your heart why you're actually doing why you're doing this in the first place i think takes some pressure off it does get a little bit tricky when we want to have a competitive edge but it's it's been my experience that when we have too much of a competitive need, not a competitive nature to us, but if we bring pressure in with a competition, then it um, creates tension. And especially if our horses have never felt that type of pressure before, because we've not practiced that way, because we've never shown up with nervousness with pressure, then this, this is when just things fall apart I'm sure we're all having a visual of that happening to ourselves or someone else too of <laughs> how it's just all too much all of a sudden fast yeah and of course like Absolutely. preparation is key like showing up prepared and feeling you, like you're prepared is helpful for your nervous system because mm -hmm. it has something a point of reference to base what's about to happen on and it likes that yeah. absolutely and like the hardest thing to practice right <laughs> or at least I yeah. find it is yeah because you don't get nervous at home so it's just being prepared like you said with your toolbox and knowing what to yeah, do for sure it's hard to it's <laughs> hard to stimulate but remember mm -hmm. we it's a, our nervous system it's it's not uh differentiating between you being nervous or you being super stressed or angry about something. So you, we all have opportunities at all times to practice and remind our nervous system that we are capable of handling this elevated type of energy in a way that's mm -hmm. going to serve the situation well and ourselves. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So all of us are moms. I am a new mom. So sometimes I find this so hard too. Um, but let's talk about bringing our kids to a jackpot or rodeo. This can create stressors, especially um, if you haven't practiced it before. It's like your first year with them. Um, how do we balance both? So how do we balance being competitive like we were before kids and being prepared, having our kids and our family with us? Mm-hmm. So this this is um, interesting because I find that often we um, tell stories about how hard it is. And maybe it's not mm-hmm. actually hard. Maybe it's just different. And it feels Absolutely. hard because we've never done it before. If does that does that make sense? Like it, that might be a stretch. That might be a stretch for some people. But um, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but there have been a lot of girl racers have their most success after they've had kids. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of evidence for us. Like even, you know, within our own community, we see that. But even like um, Brittany Posey, she had a baby and made it to the NFR, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yes, they might have more help or they might have more support and all these things. But they're, they're still having to deal with um, the extra, the extra stress. I found that kids made me a better horse person and <laughs> kinder and more patient. And there are so many great things that, that come of it, but it does make it different at the event. We need to call on our support system and our circle of friends. And I think being prepared and having a plan ahead of time of, you know, who's going to watch them when you run is, but if you have that plan ahead of time, that's going to take the pressure off you of just like, I could not show up and not know what's going to happen when I get there with my kids. Whereas I know some people can, <laughs> and that's fine. It's like, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But if it is adding extra stress or pressure, um, preparation, I think, and having a plan is definitely going to, to help. I found that like, so I used to dream all of the time about, uh, being late or like getting called out because I missed my run and it stopped after I had kids too. (laughs) It stopped after I had kids though, because like, that wouldn't be the worst thing that would happen to me today. If I missed my run, Mm. because I have kids (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, like the, there's always more drama in your day than what could actually happen in your barrel race. I think (laughs) once you have kids, like, and, and so for me, the barrel racing actually got a lot easier after I had kids and it was like more of a breath of fresh air. And it was more of a, um, something that I appreciated more than something I kind of just took for granted that I went and did. So I do think mindset and the stories we tell around it are important and I called myself out on it is, you know, I, oh, I can't do this because of the kids or I can't do this because of the kids and all this stuff. And like, I was just, I was lying to myself. It was not true. And they, I yeah. was unfairly using them as a capo <laughs> and the, of, because I was, I was just using that as a, a story as an excuse. And it wasn't, it's not like they don't make things more challenging because we have less time in the day. So time is a, as a factor, but we always find um, time for the things that are important for us. Mm-hmm. And um, it does, the thing is, is sometimes we start, like for me, I started to then think about, well, how important is riding for me then? if I'm not willing to make it happen because of these Mm -hmm. kids or, you know, so it it does make you think about it. And then when you, you do make the time for it, carve it out, schedule it out, whatever you have to do, um, then it is sacred time and you make good use of your time. Mm -hmm. And um, at events, quite honestly, I would say I am not the person to ask about taking young kids uh, because I, when I would do that, it would always be with Murray and we would, um, that was a little bit complicated and I may have raised my voice a few times on a few occasions of things, but um, 
No, like, no. We, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> that doesn't take, happen. Take the kid. <laughs> <laughs> I have to warm up my horse. What are you doing? <laughs> so I, I would have someone there. And then if I was just going to a jackpot without him, I, I did not bring them. However, last summer I went on an adventure um, with both of them to Alberta, just myself. And there were definitely some stressful moments, but as they get older, like there were some instances, one in particular, that they were really my saving grace. I had like this gong show of a run and I was feeling, you know, the inner terrible somebody showed up and I was feeling really embarrassed for myself about how it went. Like I drove all the way out there. It was kind of muddy, but not muddy. And basically like looked like a beginner. I felt like I looked like a beginner and I was having a pity party and they, they, they watched it, they videoed. And, uh, afterwards, like, so, okay. So I was crying full disclosure. And as I say, I am, um, also working on my mindset and I want to share that I, I do not have, um, it all figured out, but I am pushing myself to higher levels of competition this was at a pro rodeo that I had no evidence that I should be there type of thing. Right. It's not because I like won something and I should be there. No, I'm going there to grow and challenge myself basically, which I did anyway. So I'm tired because I drove there by myself, like all of the things, right. Didn't go good. And, uh, my son, he says, well, mom, if it makes you feel any better, you were not the worst one out there. (laughs) Yeah. And my daughter, she looks at me and says, I like chicken nuggets. <laughs> I like chicken nuggets. So then I was just laughing. But really, like that, how perfect, right? Like we had yeah. the compassion and the humor and off we went. And with the kids, what I have found is um, now that my kids are really into horses, but they're into adventures. So between these rodeos, That's we cool. went hiking we went hiking. So I always try and like do something for them while we're there, even if it's a midway to go to the midway or whatever it is. Um, we went hiking at Waterton and they still talk about that. It was like the best thing they did. They want to go back next year. And it was amazing. And we made that the focus. So that is actually a, a mindset tip. I would say is, um, make sure you're having enough fun along your journey so that if your run doesn't go good, it doesn't matter because you had a great time and you, whether it was with the people that you enjoy their company, your traveling partner or a side adventure with your kids or whatever it is, because you know what, like they're only going to pay six people and there's 60 to a hundred or whatever rent entered. So our mm-hmm. odds are gen are really not that good. <laughs> no. I mean, sometimes, you know, you're a shoe in like sometimes either, you know, your odds are better than others, but generally I think we really need to put the focus on the journey and enjoying, enjoying the ride along the way. And that has come with some age on me, I guess, too, because I have not always been there. It has often just been about that run and it, that's a lot of pressure for those 17 Mm -hmm. seconds. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly can be. Mm -hmm. So do you have any plans for this jackpot season? Like, uh, are you taking your kids on any adventures this summer? Well, yeah, we have to go back. We have to go hiking in Alberta again. So maybe I'll go to some rodeos while I'm there. We'll see. Absolutely. Uh, I'm further ahead this year in my riding and legging up than I have been in the last three years. So I'll probably get to something before June this year. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is, this is excellent. I, um, I have not bought a card in anything yet. Like I haven't decided exactly what I'm going to do, but we'll, we'll be doing some things. I've been, um, working diligently at my horsemanship and changing some of the philosophy that I work around there. And, um, it has kind of shook me <laughs> in a way that I feel like I'm recalibrating and still finding my way back 
through and out of all of that. So that has taken some mindset work personally to wrap my head around because I I know um, a, a different way of doing things now, uh, but I'm trying to not revert back to old ways. <laughs> yeah, retraining my own brain. Yeah, yeah. And both in like, you know, like riding habits, but also um, how I see things and my own perception and mindset. It's a journey. It's growth. Like once you start um, going beyond the first eight steps and actually heal and grow and change, it's uh, kind of an, uh, a journey of awakening, basically, that doesn't end. <laughs> Constantly changing. We're yeah, bettering exactly. ourselves, I should yeah. say. Bettering yeah, ourselves. for sure. Yeah. Well, Michelle, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, I have an Instagram uh, page. It's Michelle A. Davey. And then on Facebook, it's Michelle Davey Unbridled. And then I have a website called michelledavey.com. So you can reach out to me through Messenger on those platforms or even email michelle at michelledavey.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us here once again and sharing your amazing knowledge and mindset coaching with us and giving us all of the tools that we need in our toolbox for our daily lives, our rodeos, our jackpots, all the good things on how to deal with our kids and put things maybe that aren't so positive into a positive manner, because I know I need some practice with that, but I'm still pretty new. Um, And to all of our listeners out there, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform to listen to future episodes. You're not going to want to miss out. You can find the information from this episode in our show notes. We'll get you all the ways that you can get a hold of Michelle in there Um, and follow us on our social media podcast our social media posts. Um, So follow us on Instagram and Facebook to get some sneak peeks and information on current and future episodes and send us a message. Let us know your thoughts on new inspiring humans and equine topics. We are here for all of it. And thank you for listening in and we will see you next time. See you and thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me.